0: Okay, we're uh, in Ephesians 4. We're going to get back uh, in, the, in the book of Ephesians. I appreciate having last week off. It was much needed, and Shelly and I enjoyed ourselves, and I understand God really blessed you folks. It's good uh, to really have a, have a church that, uh, at least this is how I feel, I, I, you actually miss it when, you're, when you don't go. It's like, a, well, I wanted to go. but I think it was good for me to not go, but it's nice to have a church that you like to go to. Um, Yeah, that helps, especially if you're the preacher. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We're talking about the worthy walk. That's what this whole chapter is about, and we're talking about, more specifically, how the church manifests the worthy walk, which is manifesting on the outside what is true on the inside. And to this end, Paul says this. We're going to read verses 14 through 16, and then verse 25. Paul says, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head. That is Christ. Speaking the truth in love, he says, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Then Paul picks up this theme uh, a little bit uh, later in verse 25, and I just want to jump ahead and read that. Paul says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Let's pray. Lord, I've had just a bombardment of distractions and frustrations this morning, and uh, I know the enemy would would uh, want to use that to uh, take me away from what needs to be said here this morning, because what needs to be said here this morning, I know, is very important. So, Lord, I pray that you would free me from those distractions. Free me, Lord God, from the enemy who tried to use these distractions to his advantage. For all of us, Lord God, I pray that you'd help us to be focused in on the Word, and Lord... Give your energy to this word. I'm so thankful this morning, Lord, that the power of your word doesn't depend on me. But I just pray, Lord, that you'd make it powerful by your strength. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Could I have, somewhere back there I have a Mountain Dew, and that's what the stool's here for. And uh, could I I have that? Thanks. See? I'm an hour off. Nothing's working here. It's just, thanks. Thank you very much. Shelly and I, when we're, uh, that's because we missed an hour. Moundo, no, much caffeine, always had it, always will. Shelly and I, like like uh, most sophisticated cultured couples that I know, um, to entertain ourselves when we're bored, we play a game called Terrorizing the Cat. Does anyone else here play that game? We've got three animals. The first one is this really cute dog we just got last week that's doing a good job of smelling up our entire house. The second one's uh, Buffy, who's this wonderful cat that I sing songs to all the time. It's a really beautiful cat. The third one, no, the second one's Misty, who's a beautiful cat. The third one is Buffy. Buffy is the most neurotic, schizophrenic, MPD, neurotic cat you are ever going to see in your life. We've had this cat for seven years, we have treated it wonderful, we have loved it, we have, uh, we have never charged a rent, we clean up after it when it spits up those stupid ungodly fur balls, we clean up its cat box, we feed it, and all we ask in return is that the cat be the cat, be a little piece of the house furniture, you know, be cute, that's, what, all, that's all you got to do, is just be cute, just be there, let us hug you once in a while, but this cat, we, we've had it for seven years and it still thinks that we're these, these rabid Doberman pinchers. And whenever we come in the room, it just it gets this hunchback and it it runs under the, the 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 bed and and after a while it gets irritating. It's like we it starts to bug you. We never see the thing and because every time we walk in the room it just runs. So once in a while, when we're just in a little bit of a sadistic mood, we we have this game and we don't have anything else to do, where we we think, look at it, if it wants to treat us as Doberman pinchers, we'll act like Doberman pinchers. and so we. Uh, we start chasing the cat around the house. Probably all, all the animal rights activists here are going to go call their boss when they get done. But, and it's so fun to watch this thing scramble. And we roar, you know, and the cat's running all over the place. Not the kids. This is Shelly and me. And one time, one time when Shelly was chasing the cat, really, we were really getting into it. Shelly was really like, losing it. Like, Shelly, remember, this is just the game. But uh, she she hit her foot. (laughs) She hit her foot on the TV while she was running after the cat, and she broke her little toe. And while she was crying, I was laughing because it was just so funny. And I I was wondering how are we going to explain this to the doctor? (laughs) Well, normally she just chases cars, now she's chasing a cat and she hurt her toe. But. And that toe screamed with pain. I mean, she was in a world of pain. She, it was just shooting pain. I don't know if you've ever broken your toe. I never have, but she tells me it was really in a bad way. I mean, she was just all over the place. But with Shelly's toes, you can't tell if it's broke or not. She's got these scrunchy toes. So we didn't think it was broke. And so for about a week, we tried to ignore this, this, this broken toe. It, the, it kept on screaming out every day. I'm in a lot of pain down here. Do something about this. It wouldn't let her relax. It wouldn't let her put on normal shoes. She had to wear sandals, you know, for a while because this toe was, was so swelled up and so hurting. And the body tried to help the toe by doing whatever the body does, sending down things to protect it and, and to kill the pain and to puff it up or whatever, I don't know. But it was trying to get through to her head that you've got to do something about this toe because it's in bad shape. And so finally, after a week, she went to the doctor and it turns out that her toe was broken. Not that there's anything the doctor could do about it anyways. You know, you can't get a splint on it or anything. But she had to go there and she got pain medication or whatnot. Now, the point of this whole story, you might be wondering, is this. We have seen Paul a number of times in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 2, chapter 3, and now throughout chapter 4. He talks about the church as the body. And it seems to me that the way that my wife's body acted when she broke broke her toe chasing the cat is something how the body of Christ is to operate because we are one body. Paul says, speak the truth to one another because you're members of one another. Because you belong to the same body, because you are spiritually connected. When your toe is broken, I feel like I'm talking in a tin can here. Help, don't flush, let me out. (laughs) When the toe is broken, you got to let it say that it's broken. Because the purpose for the rest of the body is to come to the rescue of that toe and do something about that broken toe. When Paul says that we are one in Christ, when Paul says that we are members of one another, I want you to think about that, members of one another. He's not just talking poetry. He's not just giving a cute metaphor. He's not just giving a sort of uh, you know, metaphorical flourish. He means that we are really, literally, ontologically, if you were, united in Christ. We belong together. We need to be on the inside of one another. We are, at a spiritual level, really joined together in the person of Jesus Christ. That's a real thing. And so Paul says, "Speak the truth to one another because you're connected." Shelley could not ignore that toe forever because the toe was part of the body, and if the whole toe, if the toe was hurting, the whole body hurt. And so she had to do something about it. I saw this really illustrated in in a beautiful way. Should I just go with this thing? This battery's dead. Oh yeah. no wonder. See, see what I what I. One two, one two, one two, one two, one two. All right. Okay, whatever can go wrong will go wrong, and that's being optimistic, so let's see what goes on with this. Okay, where was I? Uh, Where was I? Oh yes, this was really illustrated in a beautiful way, I think, several weeks ago in our body. We had a ministry team prayer meeting. Uh, We meet once a month or so, and we get together and pray for one another and and, and share our needs and, and just kind of bond together in the Lord. And there's a lot of open truth speaking that went on at this uh, prayer meeting two weeks ago. People were just speaking the truth, making themselves vulnerable, and we were joined together to pray for one another. One, one woman in particular just shared a true thing. And the true thing was, what this, where this broken toe was at, was that the last three months or so, she has felt distant from God. She's going through one of the darkest periods of her life. She feels aimless. She feels lost. Doesn't feel a sense of direction. Doesn't feel anything of God, uh, you know, around her. This is our ministry team leader prayer meeting now. She's wrestling with a lot of despair and going through a whole lot of grief. She shared with us that part of it, a big part of the, the whole thing, was that several months ago, she had lost a child she was carrying. And she had for a long time just had it in her heart like a God-given thing that she wanted to be a mother. And finally this dream looked like it was going to come through and then in a moment it was gone. And this, as you can maybe understand, created all sorts of confusion and doubt and troubles and distance in her mind. And she just said that because it was a true thing. And the rest of us at this team... Leader meeting didn't have all sorts of solutions and quick answers and nice cliches and self-help formulas to give her. And if we had had them, it would have been abusive to give them to her because what she needed at that time was not some kind of simple solution. What she needed was us. And we were at that point a gift of God to her. Just to come and stand beside her and pray with her. And that's what we did. And when we began to pray with her, I want to share with you this experience. Maybe some of you have had this experience. But as we were praying with her, it was as though the Lord said, Greg, if you're going to know what you're praying about, you need this. And he gave me a whiff of her life, so to speak. He gave me a slice of her existence, a piece of her pain. For a moment, let me on the inside of where, 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 where she was at. And so for a moment, in an instant, I, I experienced, and I can't even describe this in words, but it was as though this were my child that was lost. I felt something like what a mother despairing would feel if she had just miscarried her child. And I began to weep uncontrollably, uncontrollably, because I was on the inside of where she was at. There was a solidarity there that was not that, that human beings in their ordinary mode are not capable of. But what it did for me was this It, it, it taught me at that moment, showed me in a, in a more profound way than I think I've ever seen it before. Just what the Lord means when he says that we are one. We are members of one another. We are united. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we are. Whether we manifest it or not is a different thing, but we are united. We are on the inside of one another. We are together in Christ. We are his body together, united in a spiritual way. And the Lord at that point just sort of manifested that unity. What it did is it, it, it told me, it showed me, But the pain of a miscarriage is the pain of the body. In the same way that the pain of the toe, it's centered in the toe, but it belongs to the whole body. And so you don't need to and can't and shouldn't carry the pain of a miscarriage alone. And the pain of your divorce is the pain of the body. You don't need to carry that alone. We're members of one another. And the pain of your struggling family, your struggling marriage, your rebellious kids, or the pain of your own moral failure, even when the toe inflicts pain on itself, the pain of your moral failure. It's not a pain you need to carry on your own in isolation from everybody else. You should not carry it on your own in isolation from everybody else. If you do, there won't be any healing there for you. But rather, the pain of any member of the body Belongs to the whole body. That's why Paul says, Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Bear one another's burdens. Enter into, enter into the life of one another. Get on the inside of one another is what he's saying. Because that's what manifests the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. The unity that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. And the result of that is that healing comes about. Healing comes about. This lady wrote me a letter a couple days later. And she basically said this: that just saying what was true was healing for her. Just to speak that, and some of you know that from experience. If you just put words to what is what is real, that helps deal with what is real. It's healing just to say it. But not only that, but she saw in our love for her something of Christ's love. And as we entered into her, it was entered into her experience. It was as though the Lord took took the center of pain there and spread it around a little bit and took the burden off of her. And she was able to say, for the first time in about three months, I was able to finally release this child, or at least begin to release this child to the Lord and let go of her. Because for three months, she's been in a world of pain hanging on to this kid. And let that dream go and begin to trust God for the future. She hadn't been able to do that. You see, that's what the body of Christ is all about. In the war zone we call this world, and it is a war zone, folks, it sometimes happens, it frequently happens if we're honest with it and real with it, that we get ourselves in a place, whether it's our own doing or not our own doing, we get ourselves sometimes in a situation where we just can't see straight. We just can't see the love of God. But God gives us the body to enflesh himself with. So if you can't see the Lord's love, then see our love for you as the Lord's love. And if you don't have good eyesight right now, good spiritual eyesight, let us be your seeing eye dogs, and we're going to help you through the darkness a little bit. And if you can't feel the hug of the Lord, then let our arms be the arms of Jesus and let us hug you. And if you can't receive the forgiveness of God right now, hear our words of forgiveness and receive that. And if you can't hear the love Loving words of the Lord, right now, let our words be His words because that's what's in fact true. And if you're not particularly strong in faith right now, let us be strong for you. The body carries the body, the body ministers to the body. And Paul says that's how the church grows, that's how the church grows, that's how the church gets healthy. It doesn't primarily happen through well-crafted sermons. It doesn't primarily happen by nice worship service. It doesn't primarily happen by having nice programs. It doesn't primarily happen by having financial security in the church. It doesn't primarily happen by having nice Sunday schools in the church. Those things are all good and wonderful and helpful, but it primarily happens. The church grows. It matures. It begins to look like Jesus Christ. It begins to walk like Jesus Christ. It begins to minister like Jesus Christ when we get on the inside of one another when we become vulnerable to one another when we learn to speak truth to one another when we learn how to minister to one another when we get involved in one another's life the the, the reality of Jesus Christ becomes enfleshed to the degree that the reality of our oneness in Christ becomes manifested and we learn to say things out loud and relate to one another in truth but here's the problem that's a pretty significant problem. A lot of you know by experience, and I know from experience, that sometimes the last place in the world you're ever going to say that you're a hurting toe is in church. In a lot of contexts, it's just not safe. It's, it's too religious. It's, you just know that this is not the place to say out loud what's going on in your life because they may surround you, but it's not going to be a healing kind of surrounding. You know what I'm saying? The first church I was in, Very religious church, very holy church, had a lot of standards. Church, the women all wore or skirts over their knees and long sleeves because they didn't want to cause anyone to lust. And I got saved when I was 17, and I had been involved in pornography for about the last five years before that. And these people are worried about having skirts covering their knees. I'm not quite where they're at. And I struggled a lot with with, with my sexuality the first couple of years of my walk. And I went to the pastor one time and just, I didn't tell him everything (laughs) at all. I just told him a little bit. Just kind of put my toe out there to say, you know, can he help me here? And the answer was a resounding no, (laughs) though he thought he was helping me. What I got, he didn't try to enter into my experience, try to enter into my world, try to minister to a broken toe. What he did was he gave me a nice hellfire and brimstone sermon from the pulpit after I'd met with him. And just heaped upon me hot coals of shame, which almost drove me completely out of the church thinking that I'm just a worthless, unsavable person. And so you get in a lot of places. The, it's sort of just understood. It's understood. It's the unwritten rule, and sometimes it's not the unwritten rule. It's actually a written rule. But Christians just don't have these kind of problems. You know uh, Christians are always happy, and, and we're always together, right? You know, we got Jesus, and, and Christians are always in victory, and we always shout hallelujah, and our families are always wonderful, and we make the best husbands, we make the best wives, we raise the best kids. Everything's always peachy king. We don't have the struggles the world has. They struggle with addictions, but we don't struggle with addictions because we've got Jesus. And, and, and they maybe uh, have bad marriages, but we have wonderful marriages because we've got Jesus, and they have rebellious kids, but we don't have rebellious kids because we've got Jesus. And they maybe have to deal with with chemical problems, but we don't have to deal with chemical problems because we've got Jesus. And they maybe doubt the word of God and, and question everything, but we never question anything because we've got Jesus, we've got the truth, we never have to think at all. And the church turns into sort of a, A thing, an event, a shallow Sunday morning collection of individuals who never get connected with one another because they're never honest with one another, and they put on their Sunday morning best, put on their Christian smiles, Christian kids, Christian car, drive to the Christian church, act perfectly Christian, and everything's wonderful and and rosy and, and, and peachy keen, and there ain't no problems in this neck of the wood, folks, not at all. And if the toe ever does say, hey, you know what, I'm broken... Well, the toll becomes the problem, and nothing, nothing ever gets addressed. And the place reeks with a stench of unreality. It's so flowery, so showy, so nice, too perfect, and anyone with a nose for reality goes, yick. And a church with that mindset never grows to become truly healthy because it's too busy pretending like it's healthy, and it cannot deal with sickness. And it never grows to really have the true holiness of God because it's too busy pretending like it's already holy and it can't deal in a loving way with sin. And it never experiences true victory. It's a shallow victory, it's a pretense victory, it's a facade victory. It never experiences real victory because it's too busy pretending to be victorious and it cannot deal with defeat. And it never experiences the true joy of the Lord because it's too busy acting happy and it cannot deal with despair. And the people, the wounded toes, the broken toes in the body of Christ, and there are many of them, never get fixed because they're never allowed to cry out in pain and say what is real because what's really important is that things look really good because, after all, we're Christians and we have Jesus. And Jesus becomes sort of a simplistic band-aid that we try to put on cancer. We never really address the real problems. Paul says, in contrast to all of that, Paul says, speak the truth to one another in love. And as you speak the truth to one another in love, then you'll grow up into Him who is the head. Don't pretend like you've already arrived there when you haven't, if it's not real, if it's not true, don't pretend it, because if you pretend it, that's the very thing that's going to prevent you from ever really getting there. Speak the truth to one another in love. We are members of one another. The toe is connected to the hand, the hand's connected to the arm, the arm's connected to the liver, it's all connected together. And therefore speak truth. He says, "Put off all falsehood. Put off all falsehood." He's not just talking about don't tell any white lies. That's not that's not the point. He's talking about a lifestyle. Put off all deceit, put off all pretense, put off all airs of religiousness and be real. The word truth in Greek is aletheia. And it means literally to uncover, to uncover. To, to disclose, to take the lid off of something or the veil off of something. It's almost synonymous with the word real. And the, and the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth, the spirit of aletheia, which is, we could say, the spirit of openness, the spirit of undisclosedness, or the spirit of reality. And the church is called the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Which tells me that the church is to be the place where there's a fellowship of reality, the fellowship of openness, the fellowship of honesty, the fellowship of undisclosedness. The church, it tells me, if words mean anything, if the word of God means anything, it tells me that the church is to be the place. If there's any place that's that's safe to say what is real, to say what is true, it should not be the local bar. It should be the body of Christ. Some place in the body of Christ. The Church of God should be the place where people are free from pretense and free from facades and free from phoniness and free from all the sorts of social criteria of evaluation that we use to judge this person is high this person is low this person is righteous this person is unrighteous this person's together that person's not together because in the body of Christ we understand we know we've been told it's, it's internalized to us that we are all redeemed sinners. We're all convicted criminals who have been given a second lease on eternal life by our Lord Jesus Christ. And that kind of levels the playing field. And so it means that all the silly, phony, artificial ways that the world might use to sort of evaluate people and judge people like a thermostat going up and down. Oh, you're this kind of person, you're that kind of person. have no place in the body of Christ. Which means that we are free since who we are are members of the body of Christ and we are that by faith through grace. If that's true, then that means this has got to be the place where it's safe to say, you know what, guys, I'm a broken toe. I'm a broken toe. And to not fear judgment, but to know that there'll be people who are going to surround you and minister to you because that's what the body of Christ does. They enflesh the love of Christ towards you. And I'm not saying that Sunday morning or is the appropriate context to get up and just, you know, tell everyone about your affair. I, you know, it's not necessarily a thing you've got to testify from in the pulpit. But there does need to be some occasion, some group, some segment of the body of Christ with whom you are connected, with whom you can speak truth, and with whom you can minister. The final thing I want to say about this is this. When this lady shared this, this, uh, this area of trouble in her life... It was good for her. It's good for you to speak truth because that's what brings about healing in your life. But it's also good for the body of Christ. It's not just for you that we need to speak truth. The body grows as we speak truth to one another because that's what heals the individual members of the body of Christ. When you can be loved in the middle of all your junk, that's what empowers you to get out of your junk. But it's also good for the body of Christ. Because this is what we were all designed to do. You know, we, we, we said last week, or no, a couple months ago actually, that the gifts that the Lord gave when he ascended up on high and he, he, he led captives in his train and he, he gave gifts to men, we saw there that the primary gift was ourselves. God gives us the gift. He, he gives us as gifts to the rest of the church. And sometimes we think that that means that the good part of us is a gift to the church and a gift to others, but that bad part of us isn't, don't we? Well, okay, my, my, my strong point, my best foot forward, that's where I'm good with the church, and that's my ministry. But this other junk, garbage stuff, well, that's not part of my ministry, and I'm just going to hide that. And the devil comes along and says that the failures in your life, the problems in your life, the struggles in your life, the situation of your family or what have you, it disqualifies you from ministry. You wouldn't believe how many people stay out of ministry because they think they've been disqualified by something they've gone through. And the enemy does that. Well, what what you need to hear this morning is this. When the Lord gives you as a gift to the church, He gives all of you as a gift. Follow me on this. All of you is a gift. Just like the Lord, when He loves you, He loves all of you. And when He gives you away, He gives all of you away. And there is nothing that you've ever been through in your life, and I mean nothing, which if you surrender it to the Lord can't be used to his advantage. So what the enemy intends as a disqualification, the Lord turns into a further qualification for ministry. He takes the failures and the sins, the problems, the struggles, all the imperfections, and it's like he mixes it in with the recipe of your life. And in his wisdom, he's able to make the cake taste better because of it. It's not stuff he would ever will. He didn't will it. But now that it's there, he can use it. And this lady, when she, this woman, when she shared her stuff, she gave, she was a gift to us sharing the pain. Because it gave us an opportunity now to be used of God. And that's what we're designed to do. And we see the reality of the Lord more clearly when we see the Lord use us like that. But it also opens up a door of opportunity for her to minister. Just by saying, you know what, I'm in a dark place, that gives other people, that's a ministry. You're giving other people now permission to say what, what, what they're going through. In fact, that's what happened this night. A number of people began to open up with what was what, what was real in their life. That's a ministry they have. But the other thing is this. I, I can guarantee that this woman, maybe it's already happened, but at some point the Lord's going to send someone her way that either is going to, go through a miscarriage or has already gone through a miscarriage or maybe has lost a child and there won't be anyone who will be able to minister more effectively to such a person as this woman. She's been qualified. She's been through it. And, and, And there's really nobody who can really reach out to people who are going through the pain of a divorce like somebody who's actually been there. And so it is with all the stuff we've been through. The Lord takes it. It's bad stuff. It smells. It's not, you know, it shouldn't be there. It's not stuff He wills. But It's like some kind of a spice he can use in our life where now he can set you free. And this morning, I just want you to know this. Know that the body of Christ is the place where you can be straight. We need to be straight, where you can talk out loud and be straightforward with what is real in your life. It can not happen on Sunday morning. That's not the purpose of Sunday morning, though it can happen up here at the altar this morning. And if you have things that you want to say straight, I encourage you to come up here and receive prayer. But the other thing is that it just tells us once again that the Sunday morning event can't be the the only thing we feed on in our Christian life. We need to be together on the inside of each other's lives, connected in some ways, being people with whom you can be totally real. And they're not going to push you away. They're going to embrace you. And that's when the love of God gets incarnated there. Speak the truth to one another in love because you're members of one another. That's how we grow individually and that's how the church as a whole grows. Father, I pray, Lord God, that your spirit of openness, your spirit of truth, your spirit of honesty would rest over this body. And not just here on Sunday morning, Lord, but when we meet together in houses, when we get together for ball games, when we get together to play softball, when we get together to worship in ministry, Lord, Lord, time, every time the body of Christ comes together, Lord, I pray that your spirit of openness would be there. And Lord, I just believe that there are people here even right now in this congregation that have had bottled up inside of them for some time now the pain of a broken toe and they've never been able to say it. I pray, God, you'd free them. Free them, Lord God, to begin to speak the truth. And then raise up people, Lord God, to be there for them, to minister to them. We pray in your name. Amen.